This week on the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, we got a great discussion about a free guide you can download that will help you with all of your music releases, not just this year, but moving forward. Randall Foster from Symphonic Distribution joins us. This is a great discussion. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this Build new- a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. How you doing, Jay? Doing well, thank you, sir. Um, so before we get into this week's great guest interview, just a quick shout out and a thank you to Bruce and everybody at HypePod and Bands in Town. We really appreciate all you do to support this podcast week in and week out. And of course, to our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle.com. And we want to take this time to congratulate Bandzoogle members for surpassing $100 million in commission-free sales of music, merch, and tickets through their websites. That's a huge number. And the big thing is it's commission-free. 100% of that $100 million flowed straight through to each artist. No 15% commission, no 30% commission, no 50% commission commission-free. Um, Bandzoogle makes it easy, so easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music in minutes. All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell music, merch, and tickets commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, bands in town, and many more so you can easily add content from your other online profiles. And of course, they've got amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. And, you know, we can't stress that enough. It's a musician-friendly team. Those are actual musicians. Yeah, offering most support. of them actually play in bands. So they know what yeah, you're they talking get you. about. They yep. get your issues, which is really important when it comes to customer support. That's right. Um, plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8 and 29 cents a month. And that includes hosting of your website and a free custom domain name. Music biz weekly podcast listeners head over to bandzoogle.com, sign up and try it for free for 30 days and make sure you use the promo code music biz weekly, all one word, and you will save 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code musicbizweekly. And we want to thank our other sponsor, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still such an important role for physical media for today's musicians and not just independent musicians. All musicians need physical product. That's kind of where you're making your money these days because you're not making it selling digital. Sadly. Um, digital royalty payments can be so small selling products like CD vinyl and t-shirt online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. 
for every CD you sell a gig, you would need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. And that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and T-shirts. So we got an offer for you over at Disc Makers. Head over to discmakers.com, sign up, and place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, make sure you use the promo code FREEBIZ, and you will save up to $150 in shipping. Jay, who's joining us this week? We have one of our favorite returning guests, a friend of ours, a colleague, Randall Foster, chief, crea chief creative officer at Symphonic Distribution. Always a good conversation. And, and this is a great conversation because we're talking about the, the what, what was the name of the guide? It's, is there, it's was the there? Guide to a Kick-Ass 2023. Yeah, so basically... It's a guide for releasing music and it covers right. so many questions and a lot of basic stuff and don't get turned off by us saying basic stuff because it's, it's got like a whole section of just when's a good and a bad time to release your music throughout the year, month by month. We get that question all the time. Every week. Every, every client is like, well, is it good to release music now or should I wait another month? So this is a great guide for everybody, not just brand new artists, brand new bands, but anybody who's released music should get this guide. So stick with it to the end and we'll see you there. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. I am really excited to have on a friend, a colleague, one of my favorite people on the planet, Chief Creative Officer from Symphonic Distribution out of Nashville, Randall Foster. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Appreciate it. Well, Thanks, thank Randall. you guys for having me. One of my favorite music business podcasts. Always uh, checks. All right. Where, 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 yeah. Where do we send the check? <laughs> yeah. So what we're talking about today, and we could talk to Randall all day long. Uh, and I often do. Um, but today we're going to focus on a publication that Symphonic sent out. It was in your morning coffee, the newsletter. You can get it on Symphonic's website. It's called an ultimate guide for a kick-ass year 2023. And last year, Randall and I did, I think it was a live stream on the 2022 one. And it's just a nuts and bolts, common sense, you need to plan, you need to get things in order sort of thing. And it's something I share with a lot of clients, actually. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to just kind of talk through some of those things. I'm into it. I, I love this guide. As I was telling you guys before, you know, the, the basic blocking and tackling of being a successful artist that releases music tours, et cetera, et cetera. The rules haven't really changed. Um, yeah, there's new services and things, but, you know, I feel like artists are kind of You've probably heard me use this analogy before, Jay. I, I view an artist and artistry as, as in, in light of a, a, a race car. And, and race cars have so many cylinders. And if you're firing on one cylinder really hard, but nothing else is working, um, you're not going to go very fast. And so this hopefully yeah. helps give some insights to folks that allow them to uh, to make sure that they're firing on all eight cylinders when it comes to well, getting you know, yeah. Randall, what I was going to, my first question, and, and this guide is, is great. I mean, it covers all of the basics to get you started. Um, what changes from 2022 to 2023 in a guide like this? Well, I mean, I think obviously you've got to take into, you've got to take into um, 
into mind the existence of, of new technologies and of emerging technologies um, with regards to breaking music. I think the other piece of this that, that changes a little bit year to year is that we are every year seeing more and more the value of catalog and, and how catalog is really representative of, of the lion's share of consumption in the digital space. And so those with catalog need to be tending the fields properly to make sure that they're monetizing that in, a, in an appropriate way. And, you know, with the emergence of, of, I guess it's not, you can't even say emergence anymore. With the prevalence of TikTok, um, catalog is new release at this point. And so, yeah. um, you know, we've seen so many viral moments for for folks that, you know, most most people had considered deep catalog over the past year or more. And so I think making sure that that's well-tuned um, is an important step. You know, the day-to-day -day, um, marketing of a release, the time frame needed, the cadence, you know, for release strategy, those items haven't shifted a ton. Um, yeah. and, and so we, we tend to be a bit of a broken record on what, that. Well, you know, going back to TikTok, you know, that that's the one thing that I'm sure all of us doing what we do is probably the number one comment question inquiry clients always have is how important is TikTok? I'm not on it. Do I need to be on it? How can you make me go viral on TikTok? <laughs> um, you know, and without getting into all of that, I wanted to ask you your take on, you know, we're still in this this area with TikTok, especially in the US government, that every day people are like, is TikTok gonna be banned tomorrow? I mean, you know, do I do I put all my effort into this only to have a platform that, you know, it's for whatever reason we don't need to get into politics, could be blocked or shut down in the US. What is what's your take, Randall, on the reality of that? And is that a legitimate concern right now? Well, I think TikTok is a tool. And I think it's one of many tools in your tool belt as an artist. And I think that the concern of it going away is very real. If you remember um, under the previous administration, there was a short period of time when it was blackballed. And, um, and Triller saw a really nice uptick right around then. And uh, a lot of people that had never heard of Triller learned about it in that moment in time. Um, the reality is though, I think as artists, and this is such an impossible job, this is why all of the top echelon stars have massive teams under them. But I think artists need to try to be where the fans are engaging them wherever they want to be engaged. And so when the TikTok fans ran to Triller, Triller all of a sudden became a much more important space for engagement. Um, and then when yeah. TikTok came back, everybody kind of forgot about Triller. But I think the beautiful thing about short form video is anything that you do on TikTok, technically you can rebroadcast to any of the other short form yeah. surfaces. Yeah. So, you know, with Reels and with YouTube Shorts and with Stories, Triller, which yeah. most artists don't even have an account at, um, I think this is not a paid endorsement for them, by the way. Um, but I do think um, you could take that content and that energy you're putting onto one onto one platform and possibly simulcast that across the litany of other platforms to ensure that the work isn't lost if it does go down. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I I think there's a lot of posturing going on politically with, with regards to it, and and not even domestic politics. I'm talking international politics. 
Um, I don't really believe it's going to go away in my heart. Is it too, is it too big? Is it too much part of everybody's life now that it can't go away? I mean, I don't think anything's too big to fail. Yeah. 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 I would never go that far. Um, but I, but I do think that, you know, the security questions and things like that, there's a lot of unfounded assumptions being thrown against the wall. That's right. A lot of misinformation out there, a lot right? Of fear I mean, about, about that the data is going to China when it's really on servers here. I had the pleasure of speaking with Ula Oberman, um, who's the head of music for TikTok. He and I worked together like 20 years ago, and we had a really cool conversation last week. And there's a couple of things happening. Uh, there's some companies are maybe softening the ground right now because there's negotiations that are coming up. People think they're imminent. They're not. They're really more later in the year. Mm -hmm. But there are some negotiations with the majors and with Merlin and all of this with TikTok. And here's here's the I would love to get your opinion on this, Randall, is that TikTok is two things. It's just like MTV was back in the day. It's a powerful promotional tool that can launch careers. We've seen it. Um, but on the other hand, it's writing and making its business on the back of the music business, just like MTV. So is it a promotional device? Is it something that they should be paying uh, good money for? I tend to think that if you're going to use the music uh, from these talented musicians to grow your business, whether it's MTV, whether it's you know playing on the radio in the U.S. where you know performers aren't getting paid, I think you should, but I'd love to kind of hear how you feel about, you know, TikTok being a promotional tool and kind of actually maybe not paying enough and renegotiating and, <laughs> and, and how that's going to put me on the spot, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, look, <laughs> as as much as you care to talk about. So, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, TikTok as a tool, I think it can be a great promotional tool for artists. I think the, and I don't have the statistics to back this up and, and you might have been given them. I don't think the lion's share of videos on TikTok are music or artists. I think they are utilizing music. I think there are, there are influencers pulling in, you know, a cool 30 second sample, 60 second sample from one of their favorite songs to help tell their story. That's but I right. don't, I don't think artists are in, in musicians are predominantly utilizing it. Whereas MTV, it was fed by the, by the labels. It was the artist. The program it was all music. Was, that was it. That's all that's it. it was. So I think there might be a bit of a false equivalency there. Comparing um, apples can, to chainsaws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can tell you from, from my experience and from my insights um, into, in, into monetization at TikTok for music and in our case specifically independent music um the the pay scale and the pay has improved um i i i don't i don't think if you if you forced anybody in the industry with a gun to their head to, to make a statement that we're all getting paid enough for our music i don't think anybody would ever say that no matter the platform um terrestrial Fair. radio included yeah. but yeah. um but i do think the the fact being it is improving and they are doubling down on the music team. Um, I have a dear friend that joined the team over there. I know, I know that they are starting to take music much more seriously than a startup tech company that just happens to have music on board and is hoping for interesting. The I think that's really good to hear. Um, I do want to jump back really quickly because you guys were talking about 
catalog. And I find that really fascinating um, because if you look at the numbers, you know, the music industry, for those that don't know, designates catalog as 18 months or older. A majority of the streams happening are within a five-year period. So we're not talking about the Everly Brothers. We're talking about fairly recent things, but it's not sexy to a lot of artist managers or even artists. They're so focused on that new release that they're not really focused on that catalog. And yet, you know, there's discovery, there's rediscovery. You know, it's like, it's new to me. I always discover things every year that have been out forever um, that maybe somebody's catalog. Talk a little bit about some of the ways that, that your labels, your artists can breathe a little bit of life into catalog. So, I, I mean, I think that we make a big emphasis on metadata. And one of, the, one of the problems with catalogs that were distributed in the early 2000s or in the mid 10s is that the goalposts have all moved on metadata standards since then. They, they move basically yearly um, with regards to what the search engines are looking for, what the algorithm is looking for. Um, you know, we get standards as a distributor from all of our DSP partners, and we do our best to adhere to those standards um, across the litany of partners we're delivering to. And so, as you can imagine, it's it's boxing it up in a certain way and sending it to X, boxing it up in a certain way. Yeah. Why? We have to make sure that we are able to be to have the metadata appropriately wrapped around the music. So the music is searchable and findable and that yeah. it doesn't get suppressed in the search results. And so, you know, things like even the titling, you know, things you used to get away with in titling, like a like cover song and throwing the name of the artist into the title of the track. Um, yeah. There are certain platforms today that if you were to do that, your search results are going to be suppressed. And so, um, yeah. and so I think, the very beginning of catalog marketing or remarketing starts in the metadata. And it starts in taking a really, really hard look at, you know, is this metadata clean? Is it correct? Is it up to date? Um, you know, yeah. when it first started in digital, songwriters weren't included in the metadata. Now they are. And it's yeah. very important if we have the ability to make sure that our songwriters and our creators can monetize more appropriately that we help them along the way as best as we can. I think that's really important, Randall, because I had a really great conversation this morning with Mike Huppy from uh, Sound Exchange. In oh, fact, yeah. we recorded it. It'll be in the podcast this week. Um, and what I'm learning is that it's not always nefarious. Like you go in and there's just people fat finger things in. So there's misspellings, you know, um, it, it's, I'm a big fan of clean metadata going in and checking that metadata. And I have several artists that have common names and I've seen on statements where one artist will be paid for another artist's work. We have to clean that up. And we talk about, uh, you know, getting someone to check in sound exchange to make sure you're everything spelled correctly. But I think it comes down to when, when, I'm entering something or somebody on my team is entering something into symphonic system. I mean, that metadata is absolutely crucial. Well, and the, the one certainty, and, and I, I really feel for folks like, like the MLC and for sound exchange, because they really are on the receiving end of a lot of human error. And they're trying to make the best they can with it and make sure people get paid. And they're doing an incredible job, you know, obviously Huppy and, 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 and sound exchange have been at it a lot longer than MLC has, 
but but what they've been able to do, I think, is is remarkable and and yeah. and, and amazing on on the sound recording yeah. Yeah. side. Um, you know, you know, equal equally amazing to what the MLC is now doing. But where humans enter data, mistakes occur. It is a guarantee. <laughs> That's why everybody's so excited about blockchain. Yeah. And of course, the proof's in the pudding, and the blockchain thing hasn't really come out fully to fruition industry wide. But if if it is the you know the the ring of all rings if it's if we can right. hold it like Gollum and 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 know that all of our data will be will be there and concise and perfect yeah. um it'll be incredible it will open up serious serious inroads to making sure everybody gets paid um but in the meantime until you have a chance to do that you need to be a good steward of your business and you need to be monitoring it not only with your distributor but also in your PRO statements and your sound exchange yeah. and everything else. I think um, it's hard to be an artist these days, man. I, I really, yeah, there's a lot. I really, well, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of technical moving parts mm -hmm. to be an artist, to, to be a full-time serious career minded artist these days. And, and as we know, a lot of artists don't want, you know, they're a musician because they don't enjoy all that other business and all that tech stuff. Um, but they have to, or if they aren't going to do it, they've got to get a team member that's going to pay attention for them. Yeah. You know, back, 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 back to the metadata. I mean, Jay and I have always said metadata is so critical and, it, and, you know, and it starts with the, the very first wave slash MP file you get when you are recording and you send that out to somebody, do you even have the metadata in that file? the basic metadata, which, which we've always said is, you know, and I get clients, how do I tell? Just import it into an audio player. If it what says track comes, one, it's not correct. <laughs> if it says unknown artist, unknown album, unknown we've genre, seen, track yeah. one, you have no metadata there. So, well, and, it's, and it's rough because, you know, so much of what we do in lossless file transfer between our partners is in waveform, And you can't attach metadata to wave. And so it's, it's, it really is a, is, is a awful situation there in the, I have oodles and oodles. If you search .wav in your computer, how many you think are going to, you're tons, right? Yeah. And I, and I have the same thing happening with me day in and day out in my personal life, in my hobbying music life, and also in my professional life. Um, but, you know, simply entering the metadata in on MP3s in in the information settings and in apple music gets it done you know or yeah. before that we used to have the id3 tag creators that you could upload metadata yeah. through but you're right you're absolutely right that metadata in those tracks is so important well that that that's where yeah. it starts and then you know regardless of what distributor you're using the distributor is going to give you a whole bunch of fields to fill out and those are those are metadata fields people that's what that is it's not just, you know, the distributor symphonic going, hey, we just want to know this for our own internal record keeping. No, it is it is a literally important data. So um, if there's a field presented to you when you're uploading your tracks, fill it out. Take the time to go get that information and come back and put it in there. It might be an optional field. Still fill it out. That's yeah. metadata that's going to be valuable for your track, for your release, for you moving forward.
Yeah. And, and Randall, one of the things that I love about Symphonic is that it's not about gaming the system. It's about optimizing for it. And Symphonic is so good at almost weekly. This is how you optimize Instagram. This is how you have a release case. It's, it's these tutorials through the blog. And, and I think that's really important because they're doing artists out there who are buying likes, buying spins, buying follows. And it's so easy to see in the data when you're gaming in, and it, it doesn't help you. And then it just messes everything up. We've seen artists get their music taken down um, because of it. Talk a little bit about your approach as a company to the education side. I think um, I'm biased, first of all. So everything I say is going to be good right now. Um, I think that we take an incredible approach to client education and non-client education, frankly, just independent musician, independent label education. Um, we have an incredibly robust blog that is great readership and, uh, and, and great subscribership that comes out regularly with articles um, you know, that can catch your eye, you know, and they're, they're quick articles. They're 30 second articles, 60 second articles, you know, the, these top five Instagram hashtags are trending right now. You need to be using these in your promotions kind of things. Um, the team that puts that together and our corporate marketing team, I've just got the utmost respect for, and it's, I, I've, <clears throat> I've worked for distributors before I've worked in music publishing before, um, where we had marketing crews in, in all of those stances. And I've, I've seen internal documents set up to be sent to, to, to clients to help them along, but I've never, I, I've never seen a situation where the information is spread, um, as much as possible to everyone, whether you're a client or not, yeah. um, so that you can utilize that information to better your career. And I think, I think it's, really cool. And it kind of, to me, I feel like it somewhat harkens back to our foundational roots, you know, being that we started with Jorge Brea as an artist that was looking for help in the digital space and couldn't find it. And so, you know, here we are 16 years later and, and, and we actually are providing that kind of help to clients and non-clients alike. I really wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not a blog reader per se. And so I, you know, I, I was thought it was really cool, thought it was great. I wasn't mystified by it until I started seeing competitors sharing links to our blog. And once I saw that, I was like, oh, we're really doing something good here. And, yeah. and, and the information is not, this is how you do it in Symphonic. It's, hey, That's indie right. artist, this is how you do it. Now go do it wherever you're at. Go do it. If you want to do it with us, come on, let's have a talk. But otherwise, this is how you approach this and these things we know can cause a successful career arc. Um, virality is not a marketing plan. No. And I think the so many people are hinging and hedging their bets on virality right now. And especially, gosh, I don't know if you read the article that came out about the heat button. Yes. At, 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 at one of our viral platforms. That's right. That I will not, I will not throw <laughs> under the bus. Yeah. But, but Hot topic think, this week. But to think that to think that any coordinator there could take a little cash, possibly, and push a button that causes something to appear to be viral is terrifying. Yeah. It kind of gnaws at the entire, I mean, virality is a kind of an ugly 
feeling to any ways, yeah. but it kind of gnaws at the authenticity of virality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And virality doesn't equal success. We've seen it. Sometimes it can, but just because you have tons of short form video views, that doesn't mean you're going to fill up a room. That doesn't mean you're going to sell merch. Sometimes it can, but more often than not, it takes a more sustained approach to it. And I think that's really important that, look, there's a lot for people to do with socials and YouTube and writing and recording and tour. There's so many things that a musician has to do today. We tell people all the time, you don't have to be great at everything. Double down on those things that you're good at. See if you can get somebody on your street team. It might be your mom, your dad, or your boyfriend, girlfriend that's good at one of these other platforms. But you try to spread yourself too thin on these things. I think the quality of the music suffers, the art suffers, but I also think there's mental health implications. Oh, I agree completely. And, you know, there's the one thing I do love speaking of mental health is the fact that this industry is acknowledging the toll that it takes on people more so now than ever in my career as I've been watching. Yeah. And yeah. that there's more discussions around it and that there's places for artists to go get help and there's places for industry employees to go get help because yeah. we're all under stress too i think it's a i think it's a really beautiful thing but i think when you look at artistry and you look at being an artist you're right you'll go nuts if you try to do everything mike you should tell him about our conversation with ryan Dusey, um that we just had that was just he's the original drummer for maroon five i'll let mike tell you about it but it's yeah so i mean you know and he came on and shared his his story of you know basically being getting burnt out you know, the success of Maroon 5 and the pressures that success puts on you. I mean, it was one of the questions I asked him. Is that, does, does that basically drive a lot of people into mental health issues is, you know, the success and the desire for success from all of the supporting businesses around your, your career, meaning the record label, the manager, the booking agent, the accountants, the merchandisers. You know, they're all telling you more, 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 do this, do this, do this, because their career and their livelihood depends upon you being a number one band this year yeah. and next year. And, and the they year told him that. to say yes to everything, everything. And, and the beautiful thing about Ryan Dusick is that he left the business, went and got his degree, and he's now a licensed therapist helping people. Helping, um, helping musicians yeah, deal yeah. with, you know, whether, whether it's, it's mental health, whether it's addictions. Um, and, and we talked a little bit about how social media in this day and age can really be a big factor in that burnout and that crash and burn, because, you know, as a musician, you may not be, you may not have a thick skin. As we know, if you're going to if you're going in deep in social media, you've got to have a thick skin. You cannot take anything personally. Whether it's a fan comment or a review of a show or a review of an album, but as we all know, there's plenty of artists out there who are very thin-skinned and will read every single review and take every single one of them personally and it just tears them apart when you're just like ignore it. Forget about that stuff. Social media shouldn't be about making you unhappy and miserable. Social media should be about what you're happy to do online and, and engaging and making fans happy. It's not getting miserable because one person said your set list sucked. I mean, you know, and 
it it's just it it it's good to see that all of this is becoming more transparent and open to talk about publicly as opposed to you know what when we were talking to Ryan it's like decades ago it would just be like oh so and so's taking a break to spend some time with their family or it's exhaustion like, exhaustion you know anybody in the industry knew what that code word meant but now there's artists coming right out and saying i can't tour next year because i need a mental health break that would have been that would have been dangerous to say decades ago your career would have been over no you're absolutely right at at some point when is enough enough you know and i I think that's you know you chase the stardom you chase that that endorphin rush from the minute you step on stage and you're owning an arena of you know 15,000 people but when is enough enough that you can listen to your body I mean I think you know had we been talking about this back in the late 70s maybe Elvis would still be with us yeah you know, a and, lot of artists maybe yeah and and, it, and I so I think it's an incredibly positive thing and it's it is I've heard more positive discussion about people taking their own mental and physical health seriously um, you know, from not only from from the from the mental side of things or take care of your body, but like creating safe spaces at concerts where where yeah. people who are sober can be and not feel influenced or pushed to to engage in in consumption of alcohol or any other substance. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a there's kind of a reckoning happening around it right now. And it's, and it's I think it's really, really good. I think I, right. I agree. It's it's very good. It's it's yeah. it's good to see creators being given the opportunity to step away and basically recharge and refocus on themselves and given the opportunity to come back without necessarily being blacklisted immediately because you had to do that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Hey Randall, I want to talk to you a little bit about physical stuff because you know, in this guide, there's some really great advice on everything from bundles to just some creative ways to sell merch and and let's face it for a lot of artists that merch table could mean whether we're sleeping in the van or (laughs) sleeping in a hotel so i'd love for you to talk a little bit about you know we read that there were four hundred thousand cassettes sold last year we 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 read that the you know the lead times on vinyl are starting to come down uh, a little bit talk a little bit about the importance of of merch and physical goods in addition to your streaming? Well, I think physical goods are, 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 you know, all of us who can read know that they're on their way back. I don't think they're ever going to get back to where they were in the late nineties, but um, again, they remain an important and integral part of that marketing message around the artist. Um, You know, my big questions to artists, when we start talking about things like LP albums, you know, full album release versus singles, things like that, always revolves around consumption and and do you have a fan base who will consume 60 minutes worth of music at once from you and if you do or who or who will buy it and stick it on a shelf frankly and won't consume it but they like you enough to give you 30 bucks for it because you're going to sign it at the merch table and if that's is if the answer to that is yes then then physical product is something that you cannot ignore and that you have to pay attention to. Yeah, I've that, also yeah. noticed in the last year or two that some smaller bands that have a niche audience that maybe 
logic would would send you away from physical and and doing North American physical distribution have actually because there's so little competition in physical distribution a lot of people are making records and taking them on the road but there's not a ton of people that are that are making records new ones and putting them into physical distribution with marketing plans behind them um you know in in the in pushing concepts like point of purchase displays mm-hmm. and in caps right I mean, maybe a little caps, less competition there's less competition and there are bands I, there's a band of, of ours that I love dearly comes to mind that, you know, they were walking through Barnes and Noble in Midtown Manhattan and they were on the end cap and they slipped out, you know, and this is a band that, you know, when you look at the stock at any Barnes and Noble is a really good one to pick on because they still are giving credence to physical as a, as a, as a big medium box retailer. Um, You know, they have other products and everything else. Um, you know, most of the other folks have taken physical completely away with the exception of, you know, Walmart, who's going to have, you know, Taylor Swift's latest record. Right. Sure. And, 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 you know, a good two dozen evergreens on the shelf. Um, this is a band that wouldn't have a seat at the table there that, that, you know, the five years ago, you, it would have been a little, uh, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have pursued, you really wouldn't have pursued that, but because there's so little competition in the marketplace, they pursued that and uh and they pursued Smart. it through us through, yeah. through our physical distribution and my my colleague kevin hopper who i think is just a savant with physical yeah. distribution yeah, he's a badass um, was able to quarterback this thing into a position where it won and yeah. um and it won from an optic standpoint it won from a positioning standpoint um you know d- did they laugh all the way to the bank on their physical sales i don't, I don't know no probably but um, they were the only band of their size and of their of their genre at that moment in time on the end cap in Barnes and Noble. Yeah, you got to celebrate those victories, right? And 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 you, if you nothing else, something. it's a story. It's a story you can talk right. about. It's a great story. You mentioned something a few minutes ago about you know, they may just stick it on their shelf. Um, something Will Page has been saying for years, and that's that half the people that buy vinyl don't own a turntable and the Luminate that came out a week or so ago said the same thing you know that people are buying this vinyl maybe there's a download card maybe there isn't maybe it's something they have signed at the merch table maybe not maybe they're putting it up on their wall but i thought that was an interesting stat then it becomes more of like somebody buying a t-shirt or something they just want to support their favorite artists and i think if you're not creating physical products you're leaving money on the table and as a fan of certain bands I am really disappointed when I get to that merch table and I, they don't have the things that I want to buy. Well, and vinyl is one of those things that has a perceived value. The perceived value of vinyl is greater than that of the perceived value of a streamed album. That's right. In, in, in monetization, in, in, every, in every lane, with the only exception really being mechanicals. Um, you know, now that that's kind of being righted, but let's say the downloaded album, that's a more even comparison, right? Um, but the perceived value there is so important. And it, it kind of goes back to this old marketing rule that I, that one of my early bosses put into me. And, and there was a period of time when I was going to lots of trade shows and things, and I would want to bring swag, you know, stuff we all get, um, yeah. swag to the trade show. And the number one rule was whatever you make has to be worthwhile. It has to it has to carry worth. Every 
everybody picks up pens, everybody picks up, you know, little, little tchotchkes and things, you know, little, little, I mean, how many times have you picked up a, a, a stress ball? you know, walking through. A, a, and 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 then, and then you get back to your hotel room that night and you go through all that, that, that trinkets and away. trash and throw it away, except for <laughs> the one or two items that were really cool. That have utility. And that's the thing. And so perceived value is part of that mix with swag. And it's a part of the same thing with marketing materials for a band. And so, you know, things like custom show posters, you know, I'm, I live, I'm I'm so spoiled because I live in such a great music city here in Nashville. And every time I go to the Ryman, to my wife's chagrin, I go and I buy whatever custom hatch show print was made for the night's festivities. And it's always a limited edition. Half the time they're signed by the band. And it's always it's the most incredible keepsake. It's a it's one of what? One of maybe 500 of something that I'll have for the rest of my life yeah. in a tube in my attic, albeit. But it'll still be in my house, and it still supported the 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 artist. But it was a limited edition item of great yeah. perceived value, and yeah. and I think that vinyl, physical, if any merch has to have some sort of good perceived value, um, and if it does, then I think that it's a it's a fantastic marketing tool. I agree. I agree. One one thing was that jumped out of me in this report is something a lot of people miss. And that's having a voice strategy. Just knowing that a lot of people consume music by these devices that shall not be named because they're all sitting in front of me on a shelf. But every Friday, yeah. yeah, exactly. Every Friday street date, I say to each one of those devices, you know, here's the name of the artist and the title. Can you find it? 99% of the time they can. But in those rare circumstances where they can't, I can reach out and get that corrected. But talk a little bit about you know, what strategy, you know, is it important for people to consider that when they're putting out music? Well, I think the, the, the most important time to consider voice strategy is when you're naming your band. Oh my gosh. Yes. There, there, there are so many bands that came out with hieroglyphics in the names yeah. that are now looking or a back. super common. Oh word. yeah. Looking back on it going, Oh man, I, I was just, you know, I've, I've got an artist that, I won't single out, but I was speaking to um, last week about this. And he said, man, if I could go back. <laughs> and he he does really, really, really well. I mean, millions, millions of monthly listeners. But 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 he's like, what could it be if there was never a question about that? But yeah, having a solid voice strategy is really important. Another really cool thing is, is if you're in a situation where you're either with a full service distributor who has the relationship with these companies that have voice strategies associated with them. Yeah. Or if you have a consultant or or a great company like Label Logic behind you helping you navigate navigate these waters, the the having somebody there who can be your Sherpa over Voice Mountain is pretty important. And um and they bring opportunities. We have, you know, you can look at in the back end statistics, we we can we can see voice indexing. We can see who indexes high on the on voice, who who indexes lower. Um, it's very surprising. There's a lot of a lot of things that you would consider to be kind of background music, easy listening kind of things. Chill. That index extremely high, um, yeah. and in some cases, we've actually reached out to those artists and said, uh, and this was this was actually for me, from you know being an old publishing guy. I, I didn't even realize that this was really a thing until you know a little more than a year ago. One of my 
marketing execs reached out to me and said, hey, can you connect me with this person? I said, yeah, yeah, what are we doing a connection for? <laughs> and they said, well, you're indexing really, really, really big on Amazon. And so I, what I'd like to do is have them do a voiceover and we're going to run an um, ad on Amazon with their voiceover. Nice. Said, hey, this is so-and-so. Check out my latest single on Amazon Music kind of a thing. Yes. And those little promotional items and those little promotional opportunities are only available if you are paying any kind of attention to voice. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, one of the things you've got to do, again, either you as the artist or, or task a team member to do it, is to pay attention to what all of these voice services are offering, because they're always changing, always got something new. I mean, it was, what, within the last six to nine months that Amazon Music started offering Spotlight as a feature on Amazon Music. If you have a large enough following on your Amazon Music, you can record your own audio ad that you can have your fans go listen to, and that ad then leads into a track or an album that you specify to connect to it. So you've got to be aware. You've got to pay attention to what's changing and developing. You know, and you aren't going to know these things if you're not going in there and claiming your artist profiles on all these services. You know, Amazon for Music Service, Spotify, Apple, you know, whoever is offering that service of a back end, go claim it. Because that's where you're going to get that update that says, hey, we've got this new feature. You want to try it out for free. And don't just claim it, but add a Use it. Add photographs and yep, add Update it. I, I, have, I, I had a conversation with a fantastic artist yesterday who sent me over a link to his first single. He's rebranded, which, of course, is starting over from scratch. Yeah. And he sends me a link to his first single. My Instinctually, I went straight through to the artist profile on Spotify. And it's just a name. Ah, and so we had a call and I said, what rookie mistake, doing, man? And he said, I really want the music to speak for itself. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The artistry is important. I get it. I get it. But, you know, let's build some outposts on some of these other services where we can wave a flag to make sure people understand how important your artistry is. Yeah. And by the time we got done talking, he, he said the words that I can never get my wife to say to me, which are, you're right, Randall. And, <laughs> and, 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 and so he went on and he said he, he's going to be reaching out once he has all of that established. But uh, and this is a guy who, who, was on, who was on The Voice, who was like a, a finalist on The Voice. Who, like, this is somebody who's got juice musically. Who's Right. He's got a base incredibly but he doesn't want to be associated with that i get it i totally get it i hate it but i get it and um and, and he wants to kind of hang his own shingle and so um if i can help him i will and yeah. that's kind of where we left that but but We're, taking advantage of those of those profiles is so important and it's yep. such yeah. a thing that most people so much Rand randall before we before we wrap up here there was one section in your guide which i found really um, refreshing to see because a lot of people ignore this and it might be one of the top questions I always get asked. When's the good time to release your music? <laughs> you know, you know, like is, 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 is January 1st, a good time for me to release my music. Is it a good time to release it Thanksgiving? And, uh, you know, it's, 
you and you literally go through month by month and sort of talk about the good and the bad of each of these. And I, you know, I can, I think we can all speak from experience that changes all the time. I mean, there's a lot of factors that come into it of, you know, not just are there other artists competing for that same release day, that same release cycle? Um, are there <clears throat> world events that are happening that all of a sudden take all the attention away and it could doesn't matter what you're releasing because nobody's paying attention. But I found that quite refreshing, especially the the November, December to January time frame, where as we know, as an industry, and you mentioned this, industry kind of gets quiet. That's we're off spending time with family and vacations and wrapping up our year and and maybe more focused on what's going to happen next year, but Nobody wants to necessarily do a full big album drop during that time period, unless you're a major artist who, you know, it, that's a whole different game when yeah. you're in that. But if you're a small indie artist and it's your first album or your second album, you know, do you want to, do you want, you know, I, I, I just saw, I had a friend that, you know, she released her album um, the, the Friday of Thanksgiving. And I was just like, really? You know, the Friday right after Thanksgiving, is that ideal? You know, why don't you share a little bit of your your insights and thoughts onto the good and the bad of releasing music throughout the year? So I'll start by saying this. The guy gives suggestions monthly here, and I didn't write the guide. And so there are some items in here I, I think are gold, platinum nuggets of great truth bombs. And there are some items in here I don't really completely agree with, and I can kind of talk around them. Um, but for your first question, I get this question all the time. And, and normally what happens is we get into the fall and people are recording and still excited coming off summer tours and things like that. And they they get a record done and they have to get it out. Yeah. I've got, I've got no, 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 no patience. No patience yeah. to wait. No. And it's and it's like, and typically it's 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 like we're in the studio in October. How quick can I get this out? I'm like, well, you know, give it four weeks at a minimum. Six weeks would be really lovely, and eight weeks, and I will buy you a drink. And um, you know, we start to back off the calendar out of out of the holiday months because it, you make a really great point on on Black Friday. Um, you know, Black Friday is statistically a pretty low consumption day musically. Um, because where do most people consume music? Most of us that commute are listening on our commute and it's where we go discover the brand new music that came out on Friday. So, um, so Black Friday is a really rough day. And then beyond Black Friday, you have, depending on where the calendar falls that year, you have a couple of weeks, but most of the DSPs are ghost town after about December 10th. And, and you, you're not going to move any editorial wheels at that point i i don't believe and, and i and i don't think you're going to affect any great change um on any playlist or anything in that time frame that said an incredible christmas cover holiday cover i should say holiday cover um works very well there i always tell people don't release it after black friday unless it has jingle bells in it right if it's exactly if, if, bells, if, if, if it's not holiday related don't don't waste your time 
Yeah. And, and, and I will say there are exceptions to every rule. And there are people who thumb their nose at me at the end of the year. The, ah, ha, ha, I did it on New Year's Eve. You told me not to. And look at the streams. And those, yeah. and I'm thrilled for them. I really, I, I love being wrong when, when people do something that I think is going to shoot them in the foot. Yeah. But um, that's the exception, right? I mean, it is there's, the there's always exceptions. And, 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 you know, and a lot of those things are tied to other outside of the box marketing endeavors. I have one label that releases, that releases a record the day after Christmas every single year, but they've done it for years and they have, they have that's expected their radio people teed up to support and so they get terrestrial radio support and they, and they have, they have all of these pieces in place that just kind of works for them partially because it's so quiet. Yeah. Release wise. And so, yeah. um, and so, no, I, I agree on the, the November, December, I think seasonal music always makes sense. Music that, that is appropriate for the time. I mean, I, the people that are having lots of success with the new year's Eve releases are releasing high up tempo, exciting, energetic songs, uh, you know, about refreshing new things. Um, and, and it's really big tent concepts that you have to get people under musically in these moments. The one, the one thing in the list, I will say there's, there's a shout out that says don't release in March because of South by Southwest. And I, ha I, I do, I do have a little bit of a reservation about that because everybody at South by Southwest, most of them aren't thinking about releasing records. And so, um, they're in the throes of South by Southwest. And so, yes, those consumers are out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't listen to playlists while I'm in Austin for South yeah. by, but you're then assuming that 49 other states in the U.S. alone, full of a population of, let's say, I don't know how many millions of people are at South by, let's say 325 million other people, though, exist in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're saying, well, they're not going to pay attention to this. And, and I don't think that's really true. I, but I think that yeah. that goes back to the engaged fan base principle. Yeah. That if you have people behind you, if you have fans who will show up and buy your merch, buy your tickets, listen to your music. That's right. It doesn't actually really matter what day. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you're, you're, you're 100 percent. Yeah. If you know, first of all, you've got to know your fans for all of what we're talking about here, not just when to release. But if you know your fan base well enough to go, my fans don't go to South by Southwest. You know, I'm I'm an extreme death metal thrash band. You know, my fans are not hanging out at South by Southwest. Yep. You don't need to worry about South by Southwest at well, all. It's I not going it's an to opportunity impact you. too. Like Randall, like you were saying with the artists that had the physical goods, Barnes Noble. Sometimes releasing kind of off cycle or in a, a time frame that maybe isn't ideal can work to your advantage. Sadly, we have to wrap, but I would love to have you back on, Randall. In the meantime, where can people learn more about you, Symphonic, this, this guy, the blog? Where should people go? Symphonic.com is the spot. Um, the blog is there. Every Really, it is, it, is this, the, it is the hub from which everything else comes um, there. But Symphonic.com is a great resource. For, for the blog, for more information about us, et cetera. I'm all over the internet. You can find me on most socials um, if you look hard enough. Um, but but guys, this is always a pleasure. I always enjoy these discussions. Thank you. Let's Thank do it you again. so much, Randall. I always learn something when we talk. And it's so do we. It's, and it's so fun because you know the minute I stop learning in this business, I don't want to be in it anymore. Amen, brother. Yep.
Yep. Thank you, you guys. Got so it. Much. Thanks. Thank thanks, you. Randall. Thanks, Randall. Talk soon, man. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a one. Jay, Randall's always awesome. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you got you to gotta follow him. Follow Symphonic online. Yeah. They, Their they blog provide, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, just as, as this guide that we're talking about, they provide so much great free guidance and information and yeah. and it's and it's not difficult techie you no. know you got to be an expert yeah. this is this is the the basics the grassroots i mean this guide is a very basic guide yeah. yeah but i think you'll agree so many people completely forget about the basics and yeah. and i'm not talking about new artists i'm talking about Established, sure. experienced, mm-hmm. selling a hundred million albums in their career, still forget about the basics. Yeah, you're right. It's focused on the independent artist because that's a bulk of what Symphonic does. But they have superstar artists too. And to your point, a lot of these topics, it, you can go chapter by chapter. There's things there for the developing artists. There's things there for experienced artists as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you, we as we wrapped up the discussion, it was just like there's a there was a basic section about just month by month. Is it good or bad to release your music this month? What do I need yeah. to be concerned about? I mean, yeah. and and as we talked about, that's one of the most basic questions I always get from everybody mm-hmm. is like, well, when should we release this? It's right. done. When do we want to release it? Yeah. Uh, is is February a good month to release it? Is is Thanksgiving a good time to release it? Is Christmas? Yeah. You know, it's good to have that sort of basic information. Yeah. And and I think I think artists shouldn't feel, I don't know what how would I say, shouldn't feel ashamed to spend oh. their time looking at the very core basics. Dude, you I have this on my you- desktop. I keep it on my desktop year round because what happens is a client will call me and ask me about. Uh, you know, maybe publishing or sync or whatever it is, release cadence that we were just talking about. I'll just cut and paste that thing, send it to them, or I'll just send them the guide. I think all my clients, regardless of what level should have that, that guide, it's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You just can't, I don't care. You could have released 10 albums in your career already. You can't ignore the basics for every freaking release, because when you start ignoring the basics, you're going to forget one of the things that you have to do for a basic setup. Yeah. And, you know, and it could come back and bite you in the ass. 100%. Um, all right. Uh, let's just do a quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. Thank you so much for all you do to support us. And, and don't forget about the artist community over on Bands in Town. Head over to Bands in Town dot musicbizweeklypodcast.com join us over there for the discussion every week about every episode as well as other things that i'll just throw in there and other people bring up as well it's it is a great resource to go along with this guide that we just talked about to get basic questions answered and you know there's a lot of people not just in the bands in town community but other musicians who are hanging out there who will get into a discussion and give you their input on what what they think so check that out and of course to our sponsors thank you so much to bandzoogle.com and discmakers.com we appreciate everything 
That's it. We will see everybody next week. And industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.